we are in Sefer Yeshayahu, Perik Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, Hoi Hayordim Mitzrayim. So Perik Lamed Aleph is a perfect example of what we've been talking about, that the pagination or the setting the Navi into individual prakim is a totally arbitrary procedure. Lamed Aleph is a nine-sentence parrot that most properly belongs to Perik Lamed, the one before it, because it continues with, again, the story of the anger of Yeshayahu, as well as the Kodesh Baruch Hu, on the people of Yehuda who went to Mitzrayim. Threatened by an invasion of Ashur and Sanfeir, this group of military political elite on their own, cravenly, obsequiously, fawningly, toadingly, went to the king of Egypt with great sums of money, begging him for protection against Ashur. Uh, the idea of them going to Israel's most implacable perennial enemy, asking them to defend him, is just an absolute disgrace in the sense that they should have relied on Hashem. They have the assurance of Hashem. Where was the Emunah? Where was the Bitochon? So there are two questions raised which we should really view. One is we have a concept in Judaism that, yes, we have Bitochon and we have Emunah, but there's also what we call Hishtadlus, that we just don't stand around waiting for the miracle, we do something ourselves. So why isn't this considered hishtadlus? We went to a neighboring country and said, in case we're attacked, we would like your participation, we'll pay, whatever it is. It's hishtadlus, they're defending themselves. Mephoshim say no. There are certain situations where you don't use hishtadlus. And this is one of them, where there has got to be total emuna and bitochon. Two, why the intensity over Egypt? This is the third parak we have had on this incident, and the fury of the Kaddish Baruch here is palpable. Why such a strong feeling about Mitzrayim? Part of the answer lies in a in the puzzle and we're going to refer to it again, in Sefer Shmos in Bishalach, where the Mitzrim are chasing uh, the Jews at the Red Sea. And finally, by Yomer Moshe, Moshe says, Atiro, do not be frightened. His Yatsu, stand. Hashem, and just watch the salvation that the Kodesh Baruch Hu is going to be doing, Asher Yasser Lachem Hayom, and now, Ki Asher Reisem Es Mitzrayim Hayom, as you see Mitzrayim now, Lo Sosifu Lirosam Od Ad Olam. You will not see them again for the rest of your life. There is an assurance that this is the last time you are going to see the Egyptians. So just the fact that you're going back for peace. Moreover... But Italy, didn't Shlomo HaMelech make a... also made it basically 
an arrangement with Egypt by marrying the daughter of Pharaoh. Thank you for leading me right into that. Because, yes, so we see that there's an additional Esau, that when the Torah prescribes what the qualifications or what the restrictions are against a king of Israel, what he cannot do, it says, lo yar bello susim. He shouldn't get a multiplicity of horses. Why, says the Mepharshim? Because that would mean going back to Egypt that you do not go back to Egypt. And why? Because the horses of Mitzrayim were probably the best horses in the world. They were great for war, for even acquisition. Horses were a sign of great wealth. And that is what Shlomo did. He said, no, it wouldn't affect him. He goes and he goes to Egypt to bring horses because there was a fear of getting people back to Mitzrayim. And as you say, he marries the daughter of Paro as a result of this and goes completely astray in Avodah Zorah. Moreover, you're not allowed to go back to Mitzrayim, yet we have evidence of some of the greatest Jewish communities in post based Hamikdash times, being in Egypt. The community in Alexandria was considered one of the greatest Jewish communities in our history. Um, the Gemara tells us the story that the synagogue, the great synagogue of Alexandria was so great that they would have to wave a flag in the front of the shul so that the people in the back would know to answer Amen. So great was the community. Moreover, the Rambam, the Rambam lived in Mitzrayim for many, many years. Ramban says that it is an Esur, it is one that he counts it in the Sefer HaChinuch, of an Esur of living in Egypt. It's also, we know the Rambam lived there, the Radbaz lived there. How do we justify that? Well, we have several kind of, um, I would call them, little fixations to that, little changes in the law. One is that when it says you can't go back to Mitzrayim, says the Mephoshim, you can't go back the same way as you went out. You can use it different way. Two, you could use it if you had to go for business, if you had to go for a living, for Parnosa, not to stay there a long time, not to live there, um, but you could go there for a brief period of time. The Radbaz went there, established a yeshiva there in a base medrash, and then returned to Israel. But we're still stuck with that example of the Rambam. The Rambam, there are letters from him where he puts in the salutation uh, from Reb Moshe ben Maimon, who is committing a sin every day of his life that he stays in Egypt. So why was he there? The excuse made for the Rambam is it's Ba'ones. He was forced to. He was forced to because he was the physician for several of the sultans in, um, in Egypt at the time, and he had to stay there. But uh, that is an exceptional case in terms of the Rambam. So we see that, that just to bring the background of the intensity of why so much anger is focused on Mitzrayim and going there, seeking their help. So we start, Hoi Hayordim Mitzrayim Ezra. 
woe to those who went to Egypt for help. Asusim Yashanu, they they rely on the horses of Egypt, Yitahu al Rechev Kirov, they rely on the chariots of war of Egypt because they are many, the Al Prussian Ki Otsmu, and even the soldiers, they had militant soldiers that they hired uh, as mercenaries uh, for their army. And so therefore, why? Kiatsmu. They were very strong soldiers. Kiatsmu ma'od. The show al-Kodesh Yisrael ves Hashem lo-doshu. But they don't seek the Kodesh Baruch Hu. They don't ask him what they should do. But they think they've outsmarted the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Kaddish Baruch Hu is smart as well. Because he will bring punishment for what they did. The drawer of lo he did not remove his words, means that Pasuk we read in Yudalit, Perak Yudalit, Pasuk Yigimel of Shlach, that you, um, this is the last time you are to see them. He hasn't changed that. It still is valid. The Komal Beis Mareim, Belezras Poale Oven. And so he will come up against the evildoers and against the helpers who uh, not only facilitated being Egypt itself, but those that they helped will come to naught, will come to destruction. Uh, because it's Pasukimel, whom it's Rayim Adam. They're human beings. They're not supernatural. Below Ale, they're not gods. For Susayim, Basar, below Ruach, their horses are just, when you get back, skin and flesh. They're not supernatural powers. Both the helper and the one that is being helped. They will all be destroyed. Hashem. Uh, and now we are going to switch our emphasis to Sancheirev, that tremendous battle where 185,000 people miraculously died as they were the gates of Jerusalem. That the Kaddish Baruch is a metaphor of a growling lion protecting its young. So that when he's attacking, yes, shepherds uh, will try and prevent him. They will shout and scream at a lion, and often it frightens him away. He will not move. He doesn't respond to their numbers. They could be superior numbers. He is not... Frightens, can ye read Hashem Swos that spoil Heart Sion? Thus will the Kaddish Baruch Hu go to Heart Sion, while Givasa, Givasa is the top of Heart Sion, which of course is the base Hamikdash. Now, interestingly, we switch in Pasuke the metaphor of the Kaddish Baruch Hu as a growling lion to a bird. Like a flying bird, so will the Kaddish Baruch Hu protect Yerushalayim. Ganon protecting, Hitzil saving, Pasuach uh, passing over, and the Himlet allowing it to escape. 
Well, say the Mepharshim, the difference is that a lion, of course, is the power. The Kaddish Baruch will provide the strength and the power. The bird in that metaphor is the speed in destroying uh, the enemies of the Kaddish Baruch So both are apt. Shuvah Lashem Himikas Sarabhanesha. Now, interesting, the Navi is saying that this victory over Sancheriv is really a tshuva opportunity. Shuvu l'asher hemiku sorrow b'nei Yisrael. Return to the one who you have deeply, hemiku, you deeply turned away from. It is so interesting that this puzzle is in chapter one, Pasuk one, Mesilas Yesharim, uh, Paths of the Just, which we read as a, a basic tshuva text uh, again in Chodesh El, says, Return to the one whom you've deeply turned away from. On that day that you've done tshuva, each person will find the idols that he had so valued, uh, he will reject them. He, the ones that he made of silver, that you made with your own hands in sin. And Asher will fall by the sword, Lo ish, the cherev lo adam, not by man, not by the sword of man. So chelnu v'naslo mitnei cherev u'achurala masiyu. They will flee from because of the sword of the Kaddish Baruch Hu, and the young men of Ashur u'bachurav la masiyu will be melt. They will melt away in fear. V'salo mimogar yavar. And the Assyrian rock, Sela, it's great, and what you're doing is a metaphor for their great military machine. The Salami Yavor, it will pass. The Chatomine Sharov, they will pass away from fear. The officers will tremble from the scope of the miracle. Noom Hashem, Hashem's word, which Asher Ur, which is a fire. Lo will be a fire in Zion, in, in Yerushalayim, v'tanur lo Yerushalayim, and a uh, furnace in Yerushalayim. It will be burned. The enemies will be destroyed, and we will see the building, the strengthening and saving, in this case, of the Beis Hamikdash. Next, we are going to go into the character of Hizkiyahu that made it such a golden era, the last golden era before the destruction of the temple in Mirza Hashem, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow.